Welcome to Missionary Roundtable with your host, Kale Horvath. Welcome back to Missionary Roundtable. My name is Kale Horvath. I'm your host, and I'm excited to be with you guys again as we continue to discuss missions, the Great Commission, along with pastors and missionaries who have devoted their lives to uh, the Great Commission and living the Great Commission either abroad uh, personally or being involved in missions as a pastor from the States. And so today I'm honored and excited to uh, introduce you guys to our guest. Our guest is pastor and missionary Paul Clark, who is a who has been a missionary to the country of Colombia for 40 years. He went to Colombia in 1980 to Bogota and uh, the fruit of his ministry, he has over 40 churches that have been started since he arrived 40 years ago in the country of Colombia and several outside of the country as they've sent missionaries from Colombia outside to other countries. And I'm excited to have you, Paul. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks, Kel, for, for having me. It's an honor. Now, I'd like to just begin uh, by letting people who don't know you as much uh into the conversation by introducing you and just letting you tell your story a little bit. Um, you went to Columbia in 1980. Um, how old were you then? I was 30. 30 years old. 30 and years. so you've been uh, in Columbia for 40 years and uh, planting uh, churches and doing missionary work. What, just briefly, if you want to share some testimony to what led you uh, to giving your life to international foreign missions? Well, uh, what happened, Kel, was uh, I was youth pastor uh, in the States in the, uh, a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, it was our church's tradition to take young people to foreign countries every summer. Uh, in those years, it was called the SMITE program. Uh, started by Roscoe Brewer years ago. And uh, so uh, what happened was, uh, as a result of making trips to different countries, El Salvador, Mexico, Colombia, uh, God began to work on my heart uh, on those trips. And it was, it's kind of humorous because I always told the young people, uh, you know, hey, uh, on this trip uh, that we're making to uh, whatever, San Salvador, Colombia, whatever, uh, you need to be sure that you're listening to what God's saying to you, uh, whatever that may be, and uh, be willing to obey unconditionally. Of course, I knew that he was going to call some of the youth people to the foreign field as a result of those trips, and, and that did happen. Uh, what I did not expect was for him to call me. Hmm. Um, and uh, so when I began to ask myself uh, those same two questions, am I willing to listen to God uh, on this trip? And then secondly, am I willing to obey him uh, and do whatever he asked me to do? Uh, would I be willing to do that? Mm. And so, uh, yeah, I was a little bit surprised that God began to talk to me. I never planned on being a missionary, uh, but it was very clear. My call was very clear and, uh, and I knew and I knew that that's what he had for us. Hmm. Now, it's interesting because your father is the late, great Dr. Clifford Clark, uh, who was the pastor of uh, Tulsa Baptist Temple, right? 
Correct. And Correct. he, uh, very famously, uh, for people who know of him, uh, was very, very, not just pro-missions, but you guys were a mission-centric church at Tulsa Baptist Temple, right? Uh, totally. Uh, Kale, I was, of course, raised there, and uh, all throughout my, my childhood, my uh, teenage years, uh, you know, at those missions conferences every year, uh, people coming from all over the world, uh sharing what God was doing in their different ministries. Um, it was in a, a model church, actually, concerning world missions. Uh, I think they sent over 100 families out to the mission field. Wow. Uh, and so I, I had the privilege of seeing missions in, in action uh, all of my life, basically, as a child, wow. as, as a teenager. Sure. And, and your father loved—I've actually got two quotes that— uh that I have written down in the front page of my Bible, because the first time I ever heard you, Paul, speak was actually at a Mission Focus conference in Kansas City, Missouri, a number of years ago, um, probably around 2012 or something. And uh, it was around the time, I don't know if it was around the time that your father passed, but uh, we were certainly talking about it, and you you were the speaker, and you had mentioned some of the quotes, and they struck me uh, so personally that I wrote them down, and I'll never forget them. And uh, these probably aren't exact, but they're just the way I wrote them down from what you said. But uh, one of the big ones that he said was, not every Christian is called to be a foreign missionary, but everyone should struggle with the possibility. Um, and exactly. Then, and then the other one was, the gospel is only good news to the lost if it reaches them in time. And sure. uh, I love those. I, I think it not only, I mean, could we spend a podcast talking about the implications of those quotes, but I think sure. it shows the heart of your father. But it's also interesting because what, from what you've told me in the past is when you went to your dad, uh, being the youth pastor, working for him and said, I think I'm called to missions. Uh, what was his response? What was his reaction initially? That was, um, that was a tough one. Um, of all things, Clifford uh, Clark, uh, as you mentioned, the one who was known for, uh, they, they referred to him as Mr. Missions. Uh, and he preached to so many uh, parents that they needed to give their kids to the Lord and, and allow the Lord to do whatever he wanted with them in their lives, and even if that meant going to the mission field. And then his son arrives uh, to <laughs> him and says, hey, I've got a missionary call. Uh, I think, you know, I, I knew, I knew that dad had kind of had plans for me there at Tulsa. Sure. Um, and, uh, and I respect that. And that's, I, I think that is uh, honorable. Uh, he desired the, that for his, his son. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, he, you know, was a, um, he was a man of God. Uh, he, in time, in time, understood that what was the most important thing for my life and even for the church there in Tulsa, you know, uh, mm-hmm. was for God's will to be done. And uh, it's kind of interesting because uh, once we came to Columbia and the work was established and dad came um, to visit and speak here uh, a few year, years later, as I mentioned, uh, he, he actually uh, kind of apologized to, to our Colombian people, now saved in Christ. Uh, because he said, I, I have to admit, I, I struggled with uh, Paul's call. Here. <laughs> but now coming and seeing what God has done, uh, oh, he was thrilled. And, wow. You know, uh, with tears in his eyes, he, uh, you know, he thanked God for what uh, God, had, God had for my life and what he was doing in Columbia. Hmm. 
That's awesome. And uh, I, I had the privilege personally to get to visit you guys and uh, go down to Columbia and see what God has wrought uh, in the last four decades of ministry. And it, it truly is uh, amazing what God can do with one person who just surrenders their life uh, to be used by him. And uh, we're certainly grateful for you and your willingness to be used by him. Um, I find it really interesting. So uh, I, I kind of want you to go into this. Um, it's not really a point that I'm trying to make, but it's something that you told me when I was hanging out with you once that I thought was interesting and unique from a lot of the missionaries uh, that I've met and come into contact with before. You said when you went to Columbia, and correct me if I get any of these details slightly off, but I believe you had told me before that when you went, you only went with financial support for your family and none for ministry, and that you never or, or never uh, purposely had a budgeted financial support for the ministry in Columbia. Um, if that's true, and you know, correct me if I was a little off, why was that, and, and what, what was the strategy there? Well, I, I think that uh, a lot of this had to do with what I had learned, uh, even in my childhood, uh, my time there in Tulsa, uh, listening to missionaries. I, I did observe that many missionary ministries, um, they uh, were dependent upon the missionary uh, in every sense of the word. The nationals. Um, the, the nationals. Mm -hmm. They depended upon him. Uh, he was the leader. Uh, remained to be the leader of that ministry, and also they uh, relied on him concerning their finances. Mm -hmm. um, and and so, and I don't. This is I don't want this to be uh, what I'm going to say now. Uh, I'm not going to even you know criticize uh, any missionary for man, they've given their life to go and share the gospel the way that God led them to do ministry. Hey, mm -hmm. that's between them and God. But I felt that you know um, that that could possibly make a weaker ministry. Uh, I also saw in the Bible, um, you know, indigenous ministries, how Paul and his missionary team did ministry, and he trained them to, to do the work of the ministry. And, uh, and you see how they gave to others. Um, and, and so I came with the mentality that, you know, if we're going to end up being a missionary ministry, uh, that meant commitment. Uh, these Colombian believers had to commit to uh, the cause of Christ, and that included their their monies. Uh, so, uh, really, from day one, um, yeah, they they paid their own way. Mm -hmm. uh, and in the very first church here that was formed, uh, once we had a nucleus of believers, uh, they understood they were now a church in Jesus Christ. They desired to congregate, uh, and so they rented a facility with their own funds. Uh, with their own funds? All, with their own funds, uh, with their offerings. Mm -hmm. They were giving. And How did they uh, determine and, that, they, that they should give an offering? Was that something well, you led them into, or was it merely pragmatic in that, like, hey, we need a building, <laughs> we need some funds? Yeah, well, you know, the, the deal is, as you know, we, we began with uh, evangelistic home Bible studies, mm -hmm. uh, and so once they uh, came to Christ, accepted him in their life, we began to disciple them uh, in their homes. And so we were involved in that for about a two-year period. And so uh, every once in a while, every once in a while, they, they wanted to get together with all the other ones that were in Bible studies. They didn't know them. 
Uh, they knew that I had 10, 12 studies every week with different families and groups of people. And so they said, can we possibly get together uh, and know these people? <laughs> um, they're also now, you know, Christians. And we would, so uh, that's what I wanted them to say to me. They, and, they desired uh, the fellowship. They desired the fellowship. Yeah. And so, yeah, they, I, I said, yeah, you know, the only thing is we would have to, you know, look for a, a place to meet. And, uh, of course, that's going to cost us some money. And they said, well, hey, you know, we'll, we'll I'll give something. And so that's how their, their giving began. Hmm. Uh, once we did that, and we were meeting like once every month, I think, all together. Mm-hmm. And then they said, why can't we do this every Sunday? They saw them <laughs> in the scriptures. And I said, well, we can do that, but that would cost us. And then they realized, hey, we need to be faithful with our heart. Our, our offerings with our giving so that we can uh, have the facility and begin to function as a church uh, more effectively. Mm. That's amazing. And and like you said, it's we're not even saying that it's wrong to uh, use no. American finances in, on the no. mission field. In fact, I mean, the Lord has entrusted the West with finances. We should be bankrolling uh, the gospel as much as we can. But I think the principle that you're getting at is that we can't be afraid to ask the nationals in another country to give because that's what the Bible and God asks of them. Yeah, and we wouldn't want to take that blessing uh, away from them, uh, the growing and the grace of, of giving. And of course, I got that also from my dad. Um, he emphasizes greatly, uh, but it's very clear in the scriptures. Plus, uh, you know, um, we shouldn't forget the context. Uh, we wanted to become a missionary church eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted a missionary ministry. Well, if that was going to happen, you know, someday I wanted to see Colombians giving their lives to go to other countries with the gospel. If they weren't willing to give their own offerings, their own monies mm. uh, towards the cause, much less would they, they give their lives. Sure. What do you think— um... For a missionary who goes to the field, and uh, let, let's let's play the extreme exaggeration, which is probably not as common, but someone who goes to the field, uh, the 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 nationals, requ- you know, they depend completely on American funds, and uh, they the missionary feels guilty and never, you know, because it's a poor country, they're a rich American, so they they never actually ask the people to give an offering. What does that deprive the people of in their growth as young Christians? Well, like I say, uh, Kill, uh, you know, for, for me, the, the growing in the grace of God includes giving. In fact, uh, it's a somewhat of a thermometer to, to know, to gauge where they are spiritually. Uh, and we see this uh, in Second Corinthians 8 and other scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but without a doubt, um, you know, our, our, our God is a giving God. This is one of his main attributes. Uh, Jesus Christ gave his life if we want them to be conformed to him. Uh, our believers need to, to, to be givers. And, um, and so this is what really missions is all about. Uh, Christ gave himself to the, the world on the cross uh, so that we might have salvation. Mm-hmm. Now uh, he saved us so that we might be a blessing to others and give to others specifically the gospel. But that's going to cost us in every uh, sense of the word. And, um, you know, I've just learned uh, throughout the years that those that are stingy with their money, um, <laughs> you know, are, are, are not very good Christians. Hmm. Uh, you know, this is, this is a very basic aspect of Christian growth. 
uh, and uh, and so we see it as very essential. Um, and quite honestly, when people say to me, you know, uh, but we're ministering to uh, more income people, and and as you know, you've been here, Kale. So mm -hmm. uh, we have the majority of our churches. Uh, the majority that attend our churches are professional people. I, I do not deny that. Um, but we also have people that have very little income um, and uh, and simple people, as we refer to them here. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Uh, we we are we have started workers works in pueblos in Colombia where people don't have a lot of money. But you know what their ministry looks like? Um, it, it looks a little bit different. It's more simple. Even mm -hmm. the facility that they they rent with their money, or they eventually build with their money, it's going to be simpler. Yeah, simpler. So you know, I still think the, the biblical principle is a biblical principle, and uh, God blesses it absolutely. And when they open up their hearts and their hand, and they give to others, uh, God provides for them, and we see that of course in Philippians chapter four very clearly. Mm -hmm. um, and so. You know, if we want him to provide our needs, uh, we've got to be focused upon the needs of others. Yeah. And and what's really amazing, too, is so like we said earlier, there's over 40 churches in Columbia that have started all for. And we'll get to the model church here in a minute, because that's the main theme that I want to speak with you today about. Um, but the, all of these churches are daughter and granddaughter churches of the, the first mother church that you planted. And when you've sent out other church planning pastors and missionaries, foreign missionaries out of the country of Colombia, the mother church and the other churches have been able to financially support. And I don't, I, you know, I don't know the logistics about full funding or anything like that, but because they're already giving Christians, when they send out their men to plant churches and other works, they they feel inclined to support them. Yeah, they. Uh, one of the advantages of, of doing the ministry in this manner, them giving uh, from day one is what you're saying. So re in reality, uh, our missionaries don't have to do what I did and what you have done. And really, I don't want to uh, belittle that either. Uh, God used deputation, uh, what we lived mm -hmm. uh, in the Oh, States. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but we save time uh, because once a family leaves uh, Colombia to go to another country, uh, they have over 40 churches yeah. uh, supporting them automatically. <laughs> uh, and so they're not going from church to church, raising the money. All of these congregations already know that, uh, hmm. that uh, believer, that called one and, uh, and loves them. And of course, believes in them. They've been proven here yeah. uh, throughout our ministry. And, and so, yeah, they have an, uh, they have the support. Uh, that they need immediately. Sure. And I think that's a great thing because depending, I mean, lots of different people are listening to this podcast right now. And if you're a missionary and you do it a certain way, that's okay. Um, sure. But if you're someone who's thinking about being missionary or on deputation, uh, these are good things to consider as you're preparing to start a new work. Because if you start it right, that will uh, that will help you in the long run and then having to fix things uh, later on. Um, 
And, and even if we're just taking this principle of giving and, and applying it, like say you're a parent and you have children, um, I'll just throw just as a quick side note, um, my parents, um, I, I love them and they, they have some, you know, like any parent, they have flaws, um, and they have, uh, things they did really well. My mom from the day, since I can remember when I was a little child, uh, we didn't have much money growing up, but my dad would give me a dollar as a, as an allowance every time he got paid, which was like, you know, twice a month. And I remember my mom, would, they would give it to us in dimes, Paul. They, they'd give me 10 dimes <laughs> and my brothers and sisters. And my mom taught me from being a little kid, nine dimes are for you and one dime is for the Lord. And so I would, I would take my little children's ministry envelope and put one dime in it. And so that might sound uh, cute or corny or whatever, but <laughs> one thing I can tell you is I've never not tithed. Like when I, cool. got, a, when I got a job at Wendy's in high school— um, my, my parents and my youth pastor didn't have to tell me, are you going to tithe from your paycheck? Like, no, that was, that was a given. That was like something that had been ingrained into me. So I I think this, you know, whether you're a missionary, a pastor in the States, a parent, um, this is good. You shouldn't deprive anyone of the blessings that giving, uh, can give. So, okay, let's transition Paul into what I really want to talk to. And, uh, and I will enjoy your candor (laughs) here on this topic. Um, I think it's important. I, I, I've been uh, trained and discipled by an old school missionary church planner as well. And so I wholeheartedly agree. Um, but you've mentioned this idea of a model church before, uh, and planting a model church. And really it's more than a goal, um, or something we say, it's a strategy, it's it's a paradigm for how to do missions. So what does planting a model church mean to you, if you were to define that? Well, um, I uh, we, we define it, basically. You know, we could use the term uh, a Bible church. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Not very profound, but in reality, uh, when we're talking about a model church, uh, we're talking about a biblical church, uh, and um, and the way we define this um, is that uh, there's four aspects, four characteristics that define for us what a model church is, a Bible church. It's it, that is where the Word of God has preeminence. Number one, number two, uh, it's where the evangelistic vision includes everybody. Number three, uh, it's where biblical discipleship is the heart of the ministry. And number four, world missions is the reason for existing. Uh, Those four characteristics for us are the the principal things that that we need to see in a church in time, in time, as it grows, it needs to mature to this. And when those four things exist, you will get to the nations. You will get to the nations. And so uh, our vision here in Columbia, uh, the, the mission that we talk about, Columbia for Christ, is establishing model churches, these kind of churches with these four characteristics in them, all throughout the country with the intention of forming a missionary base to get to the nations. That is working together the mother church with her daughter churches, uh, granddaughter churches, now great-granddaughter churches, obviously some already being model churches, where we see those four characteristics, they already exist. In other works, and many works, the majority of our works are growing into this. Uh, And so uh, the more that we're model 
churchist, the, the greater the impact throughout the world. That's how we see it. So this is, um, man, this is, this is the big deal for us. Mm -hmm. And uh, another thing about a model church is that it, it is going to reproduce herself. Um, and this is spontaneous. This is what God does mm -hmm. because his word is being uh, magnified, exalted. Uh, man, we want to reach everybody with the gospel. We don't exclude anyone. Uh, we're going to build our ministry upon uh, discipleship, but not just any kind of discipleship, but biblical. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and also are the reason why we get up in the morning, the reason why we exist and live as a believer, as a congregation, mm -hmm. is to get the gospel of Jesus Christ to other people throughout the world. Well, in a, um, in a believer that's maturing and growing and being discipled is going to reproduce itself because that's the goal. That's the whole point. That's the goal. And so really what you're saying is a model church is a church full of discipling, maturing believers who are reproducing themselves so much so that that church matures as an organism and then does the exact same thing as an organism. It reproduces exactly. itself. You, you said it a lot better than I did. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, let's, let's, now that we've kind of established that, so how important is it as a missionary? And and draw on your own story and your experience for this, please. I, I would really love to hear it. How important is it to focus on having a um having the original church, the first church that you plant be a a model church to literally be a model for daughter churches in the future, rather than just, you know, as the missionary, well, I'm gonna try to plant five or six churches all at once. Because I, I, I mean, I know you. I know that would be your your thought process. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think that this is why you you stated uh, this already. Uh, the beginning of the ministry uh, of any ministry is the most important stage of the ministry. Uh, it's what you start with. That is what is going to be multiplied out from there. And uh, I see, you know, we see this, of course, with uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, with the 12, he investing his life in them uh, so that, in fact, they would reproduce themselves in others. Um, and, uh, and so uh, those 12, that small group was vital. And so uh, the beginning of ministry in the New Testament begins with those few. Mm -hmm. And that was multiplied out from there. The first church was formed as a result of their lies and doctrine that Christ gave to them. And, uh, and then that was just multiplied out from there. Really, Kale, this is, of course, nothing new. This is nothing that uh, <laughs> Paul Clark invented. No, no, no. This is very clear in the, in the scriptures. And so, um, yeah, you know, I, I never, uh, by God's grace, I say this, had in my heart to start one church and then start another one, and then another one, and then another one. Uh, now, you can do that, um, and probably most missionaries minister that way. And I'm not going to say that it's not effective. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, uh, once again, as long as uh, it's a model ministry that they're forming, that's going to be reproduced out from there. Mm -hmm. But um, I, God led me, okay, here in Columbia, to begin one church, and, um, and and that's what happened. And the rest of the churches uh, 
they they sprang out or they, they were a result of the the first church that was started mm-hmm. and um, and so I didn't have to begin again and then again and then again mm. um, that was my that's been my missionary experience mm-hmm. um, and and quite honestly because of what we talked about the emphasis on uh, biblical discipleship being a model ministry. Uh, it, it reproduces itself time and time again. So I don't really have to, uh, myself personally, I don't have to be uh, starting more churches, Paul Clark, because there's now many men that have been called mm. that we've trained throughout the throughout the, the different uh, throughout the time and through the d- different ministries that are starting those churches. Quite honestly, Kale, they're much more effective than I am in their country. Uh, no matter what, you know, I say, I recognize this, um, they're much more effective than I am reaching their people. Hmm. Um, and so I've given them all that I can, uh, biblically speaking, uh, you know, um, ministerial speaking, uh, and then they've taken it from there. Now that doesn't mean I don't work. No, of course. <laughs> yeah, I, so why am know, I supporting I, you? No. <laughs> yeah, no, really. I think I just lost all my support. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you know, no, as you know, my role is is uh, due to the fact that they're doing the ministry. Yeah, it, it is completely indigenous in as far as leadership is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I'm kind of the rover. I'm the missionary that the. Uh, the pastoral team here in Bogota, specifically the missions director, was over all of the whatever's happening, the mm-hmm. missionary ministry, their daughter works, granddaughter works, and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tells me, along with the other men, hey, we need you to go over here and go to that city, uh, or go to that country, and spend some time there and do this. Um, so I'm available for whatever. Sure. Okay. I, you know, I think I was reading the other day, uh, I'm in the book of Second Corinthians, and, uh, and, and I noticed how the Paul said that his main burden there in chapter 11, verse 28, talks about that, that, that main burden that he had was the, the care of all the churches. And the word mm-hmm. care, it literally speaks of worry, uh, concern. It, it literally speaks of uh, anguish, mm. <laughs> and uh, and he names in that chapter all the things that he suffered physically. Those were all external, but what really affected him was his his concern for the church's their well being, uh, and that was an inward thing, mm-hmm. and that's what was heavy on him uh, continually. That's the idea that we find in that verse. And, you know, that's really my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, it kills me when I hear of one of our works that, that it's going through a hard time. Yeah. Or one of our missionary couples and, or, or men that are struggling. Uh, I don't hesitate to get on a plane to, to uh, be uh, by his side and encourage and lift up. And yeah. um, that was my dad's gift. Uh, they tell me that's what God has given to me. The gift of exhortation being more of that Barnabas, mm-hmm. and um, and so that's what I do. That's awesome. And so I spend most of my time, uh, I should say, past tense, on an airplane, 
Uh, <laughs> used to. We're, we're, yeah, past tense. Uh, You're hauled so up in now, your house in Bogota right now. <laughs> that's it. And, and, and right now, it's, it's, you know, thank God for the technology because yeah, we can't connect with anybody anywhere throughout the world. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, okay. So back to that idea of planting a model church and doing it right the first time so that it can reproduce mature churches almost, I I don't know. It just sounds like a larger scale discipleship on a church body organism level. Uh, you know, but so, so is what you're saying is that you only planted one church directly? Exactly. Uh, that's, that's our case. Um, it sounds I love that. strange and you know, and maybe, maybe I have lost my support now, now that, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, there again, Hey, uh, this is not, uh, suggesting, uh, that others should not do it differently. Sure. We see Paul through acts, uh, man, he's going from one place to the other. Right. In a couple of years. And, Absolutely. Okay. There you go. But I, I do look at that Antioch thing, and um, mm-hmm. and they were, they, you know, they, they spent, uh, you know, a, a good what was it, two years, complete two years, in and um, and Barnabas mm-hmm. uh, teaching there, um, and of course that was on a daily basis. It's not like what maybe what we do every week we're meeting with our uh, disciple or whatever or our church. Uh, no, it was an everyday thing. And man, they invested their lives in, in, in those new believers. And that became a missionary church, the Antioch church. Yeah. There was an abundance of leadership and they were freed up to go out again. But, you know, um, we're not suggesting that everyone must do it this way. Uh, God led me to start this one church and let that thing uh, reproduce itself time and time again. Uh, all throughout Colombia, and now, uh, by God's grace, going to other countries. Uh, you mentioned something about a, that. Uh, did you use the word perfect? Uh, that perfect model? <laughs> <laughs> perfect I, I just, in the biblical sense is incomplete. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that you, uh, yeah, this is not perfect. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been in this for a long time, and mm-hmm. this is with a lot of uh, tears. Sure. Uh, this is with a lot of failure, um, uh, mistakes uh, that we've made, um, and and tried to learn. This has been a long-term schooling for us, and we're still learning, and we're trying to uh, be more effective uh, for the Lord in what we're doing. But no, no, no. This is this. But I, sure. I get you. I get well, you and the idea, saying. I think, for me anyway, as a missionary who's going to the field. And, and upon arrival, um, it's, it's actually, I think for me, it lifts the burden off of my shoulders because sure. when, when you're on deputation and you meet a lot of missionaries, guys, you don't know personally, you're just, you know, you're, you're at missions conferences all the time. And, you know, the main stick, everybody asks, you know, what are you, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to XYZ country and I'm going to disciple people and I'm going to plant churches. You can't say I'm going to plant a church because they're going to look at you funny <laughs> And, uh, and, and they, they want to make sure that you're not just going to another country to just set up your own kingdom and be a pastor there. And then just, but the idea it's, it's not the same thing. It's not a dichotomy of you either do it this way or you do it that way. It's the idea of you went to a country to plant a church. And then when that church became mature enough that there were believers who could then take over that church. Sure. You you weren't the pastor anymore. You're not the senior pastor of uh, La Biblia Dice no, in Bogota uh, it, today. No, once it was uh, 
the church was organized. Uh, we went from the home Bible studies to the church being organized and the meeting uh, every Sunday. Uh, I was there for 10 years, uh, and then uh, then the, the church was uh, turned over to the Colombian leadership uh, with the senior pastor um, and men around him. Uh, the ministries, the principal ministries have been established. The discipleship structure was in place. Our leadership school was in place. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was uh, the foundation was placed as a model church for that to be reproduced out mm -hmm. from there. And that's, and that's what happened. Well, and the idea is that you, I don't want people who don't know you to get the wrong idea and think that, you know, 40 years later, you're still the senior pastor of one church. No, it's, no. it's not that at all. After, like you said, it took about 10 years to get that right. church to the point to where it could, the nationals pastored it. And then all the churches that have been reproduced, although you've been there helping them and still doing the ministry, the nationals, who shepherd their people have sent their people out as they disciple and train them. And really, shouldn't that be the goal? It should be the goal. Uh, and another thing that, you know, is a great consolation to me as a missionary, uh, Kale, is that this, uh, this can't be stopped. Uh, the enemy can't stop this. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, it doesn't even make any difference if I'm here anymore or not. Uh, yeah, amen. You know, exactly. And I'm, you know, uh, I'm I'm 70 now, and uh, so you know, uh, the, the bottom line is, if the Lord takes me home, uh, this is going to be, this is going to continue, mm -hmm. and that that is a consolation uh, for me because it doesn't depend upon me. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and it's proof uh, of the ministry. It's making full proof because there's fruit that remains, not just fruit initially. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, whether whether uh, like so say, you know, after that 10 years when you replaced yourself and the national uh, pastor, uh, Rudy, took over the church, if God would have called you back to the states or to another country or to another part of Colombia, that would have sure. been fine, depending on God's call fine. on your life. And uh, but but it doesn't matter because the fruit remains and it reproduces to this day, regardless of where he sends you. Totally. Which, which which is awesome. So l let me ask you this then. So now talking as a uh, pastor of pastors, if you're talking to a young missionary who, uh, you know, they're listening to this and like, oh my goodness, I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do when I got to the field. And now I'm even more unsure. <laughs> what would be, <laughs> what would be your advice to them of when they land in their target country, you know, regardless of, you know, getting their place to live ready and all that, what, what should they seek to do? What should their goal be when they land in their country? If well, they're, if they're going to do the model church thing. Okay. I'm just going to throw this in uh, for some reason. But <laughs> I think the very first thing, uh, Kale, is that they've got to really decide if, if they're going to commit to this or not. Um, mm. I, I've mentioned this uh, at different, on different occasions as I've spoken in the States, but um, I see a lot of short-term uh, missions taking place, and uh, God uses that without a doubt. But we do need some missionaries that are going to go to different fields throughout the world and uh, and commit uh, for life. Yeah. Um, yeah. As I look back, uh, th this has been a lot of work. Uh, it's been a huge blessing. Uh, it's been a huge challenge. But this the, the, this is going to happen when a young man uh, says, "Hey, I'm I'm going to give my life to these people." Um, to this ministry so that it, it has the strength someday 
to reproduce itself time and time again all throughout this world. Mm -hmm. That takes a life commitment. So I think that's the first thing that, that we have to have as a younger minister arriving on the field. We've got to decide, uh, is, is my commitment for real? Is it? Now, that doesn't mean God can call people back to the States, mm -hmm. uh, back to their home church after leaving. I get that. Okay. Uh, but I think we have to be willing to do this. We have to go with this spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, we need some people to stay, is my point. Okay. Yeah. Secondly, uh, I, you know, I, I'm nobody. I uh, don't have a lot of ability. Uh, you know, um, I never started a church before we came here. Didn't really know a lot. I did know that the church that we began needed to be missionary uh, in the end. But you know what? I I just had to. Uh, I mean, this sounds maybe super spiritual, but uh, really humble myself before God and and, and take, just take His word and give it to these Colombian people that we began with in their homes and sharing the gospel and letting the gospel, the power of the gospel that we find there, you know, in Romans 1.16, uh, do its work, transform lives. And then I had to make a decision concerning how we were going to build their lives. And that was not going to be with any programs or even a building. We didn't start with a building. We started with unsaved people coming to Christ. Uh, and then we decided to build their lives on just discipleship, the word of God, um, and uh, let the word of God do its work in them uh, to grow them up. And um, and so I this sounds maybe a little strange. And I said at one time, I think of Midtown, uh, but you need to take a Bible with you. <laughs> You need you need yeah. to take a Bible with you, and that needs to be your ministry. Mm. Um, the Word of God can do what you can do, and really, um, what you're not even supposed to do. And and so let's give them the book, and uh, and let's let God do that supernatural work in them through His Word. That's what He promises to do, and that makes for strong believers and a strong ministry. And uh, so my my reliance uh, was upon that. I didn't have anything else to rely on other than God and His Word. Now, uh, you know that maybe not be very practical for some, but I, I think it does take some of the pressure off of some that think they do have to raise a lot of money. Uh, they, they they do have to come with a strategy, as you know, they strategize. Uh, you know, Kel, I've mm -hmm. said this to you and many others. I don't know why we complicate ministry so much, when uh, in reality, if we add, if we study the Word of God, uh, it's not it's not really complicated. <laughs> it's winning people to Christ. It's teaching them, them the Word of God. You know, just obeying Matthew twenty eight verses nineteen and twenty uh, by baptizing them, teaching them the Word of God, making disciples, and let God do the rest. Uh, Paul, that I, so that almost I'm sounds like off. what we do in America, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. That we almost sounds like what we do here. Are you saying that okay. ministry in other countries is simply what the Bible tells us to do here? <laughs> hey, you know, God, God did not give two different standards concerning ministry. Mm. Uh, one for the states and one for, uh, uh, for, for those that are abroad. Uh, this, is, this is the same thing. Mm. Uh, and, and so we, we, we try to keep it simple. 
and you know, I'm not real bright, so I got to keep it simple. <laughs> and that's been a blessing for me because I can get the simple. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I would like to take the pressure off a young man that is going to the field by just saying, keep it simple. Mm. Uh, let God do his work through his word and lives of people. And let this be spontaneous. Let this be supernatural. And uh, he will do it. Uh, I today look back and without a doubt, I can testify to the fact that uh, he's an amazing God. He is a faithful God as long as we are faithful in doing what he asked us to do. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, I think it's I, I think that's a really good point. And I, obviously I was being a little tongue in cheek there, but. The idea is that it, uh, I think this sums it up well. So my pastor, Jeff Bartell, uh, who's been on the show, he, he has told me before that when he, so he was 30 when he went to the field too, which is interesting. I'm 29. I'll be 30. Once we arrive to the field, man, something special about 30 there, huh? Uh, I thought Jeff, I thought Jeff was a lot older than me. He looks a lot older. (laughs) He's, uh, no, he's not quite as old as you, but, uh, but you know, wisdom comes with age. Yeah, sure. So, but he was 30 when he went to the field too. And, uh, he told me that when, you know, when he finally got there and he landed there, his pastor's with him and he's, and he's kind of like, man, what, what do I do now? You know, I've been dreaming about this and planning and training, but now we're here. What do I do? And he said that his pastor gave him, uh, the simplest advice, but maybe the best advice he's ever gotten. He said, you've got a Bible, you know how to disciple people. That'll keep, that'll keep you busy for a while. Do that. That'll keep you busy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so the, keep it simple, stupid, right? That's the, the whole KISS yep. principle. Yep, that's where I'm at. That's amazing. Uh, do you mind? Uh, so we'll, we'll start to wrap this up here in, in a minute. Um, but so you mentioned earlier that uh, your church is, well, I'll say the mother church in Bogota, is their vision, but also uh, subsequently the vision of all the churches you guys have planted is the the phrase Columbia for Christ. Could you uh, briefly explain what what that means? I mean, it's evident what Columbia for Christ means, you know, just at face value. But but what does that mean as a vision statement for your church and the fellowship of churches you guys have planted? Okay. Well, this is the mission that uh, God uh, gave me uh, even before arriving to Columbia. Um and it's stated in this matter uh, is to establish model churches in the 32 capitals of the country of Colombia with the purpose of forming a missionary base that is capable of making disciples throughout Colombia and the nations of the world. Um, and we've already talked about the model church uh, aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that missionary base, the idea is uh, to form a team um, of churches that make up this missionary base. Uh, we all have the same mission, Columbia for Christ. Of course, the same four characteristics. Uh, so in the end, our reason for existing is to get the gospel to the nations of the world, to do over there what uh, has happened here in the same biblical manner, and, um, and so this name, Columbia for Christ, uh, can be misunderstood because it seems, it kind of sounds like we're more concerned about Columbia, that our focus is just Columbia, and it's just the opposite. No, the idea is to form this team of churches, this missionary base to get to the nations mm-hmm. of the world from here. Um, and so that, yeah, that is Columbia for Christ for us. 
Yeah, and you went, which which I love. You've referenced this a few times. I just want to make sure that people listening understand. You went to the field of Columbia, not just to plant a church or to send back reports of large numbers of people getting saved, but to plant a church that would plant churches that would send Colombians to the ends of the earth, preaching the gospel and doing missions. Totally. That's awesome, because I think sometimes when we think about missions, we limit what God can do through the nationals of another country thinking, well, you know, you know, going back to the giving thing, well, certainly, you know, sure. they're poor, they can't give. Well, I mean, would we also limit them and not telling them of God's mandate to take the, the gospel to the world? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds a little strange, but, but I, I find very few missionary ministries, mm. uh, that is, uh, churches throughout the world that are planted with the intention of going to other nations. Mm. Now, uh, not critical. I just, uh, and I even go way back uh, to my upbringing. Mm -hmm. I didn't hear this a lot. Um, but I think any ministry, if it's biblical, uh, the final goal, their biblical purpose mm -hmm. is to take the gospel to the nations of the world to fulfill the Great Commission. Uh, and so I, I, because of my upbringing, I can't imagine it being any different. But uh, a lot of times that's not true. It's more many times the focus is more on the that that given ministry, but uh, not not thinking so much of uh, giving uh, to others, getting this the good news to others. Sure. Uh, but man, what a wonderful challenge! And what you know, here's think of this, Cal. Uh, this is uh, all for uh, God's glory, obviously. But think of you know Colombia. Mm -hmm. uh, with all of its terrible reputation years ago, uh, you know, with our, our drug mafia and the, you know, the Civil War terroristic groups. And, and that's what Columbia was known for. Uh, good night. Can, can you imagine uh, now our country is becoming a missionary base hmm. to get the gospel to other nations? Amen. Uh, that's what God does mm -hmm. um, if, we, if we'll let him do it. You know, through through his word, through us, uh, that's what he'll do. That's mm -hmm. what he's done. That's what he's doing. So it's interesting to to know that now we have families preparing to go to the United States as missionaries. Um, and uh, I, when we started years ago, I would never dreamed of something <laughs> like that. Yeah. But uh, we have numerous families that are preparing to go to the U.S. Uh, as pastors and missionaries. Hmm. And that's not just to minister to Latin people. Uh, that's to minister. They, they're completely bilingual. Uh, many of them have lived in the States, and then they returned here. They were saved here uh, hmm. as they arrived to, to Colombia and to the disciple train. And now they uh, God's placed on their part to go back. Well, but the point is, you know, uh, this, this for us is, yeah, this is Colombia for Christ. And uh, obviously, in, in my situation, uh, as a missionary, I've been here for many years. Uh, this is uh, a dream come true. This is what we, what we live for. And now it's, it's taking place. We've got a lot more work to do. But yeah. uh, going to other nations has began. Yeah, and, and I can attest to uh, when, when I went down to Columbia just a year or two ago and, and got to be at the missions conference and see all the churches gathering together, it was very evident to me what whatever Columbia for Christ is, 
that everybody was all in. They were bought into that vision statement. It was written on signs. It was painted on the walls. Every sure. uh, preacher that got up and preached that was from a, a different one of the churches, Columbia for Christ was in their sermon somewhere. It was on slides. It was in the PowerPoints. There was a song. There was, there was a worship song that was like the chorus was Columbia for Christ. Um, sure. And it, it really is evident that that is the rallying cry of those people how how do you think that it's went how how do you think that vision has went from just being your vision that God gave you to being the rallying cry of that ministry and every pastor and missionary who leaves it well you know um there again uh Columbia for Christ is not something that I invented mm-hmm. uh this is all from the word of God mm-hmm. every aspect that I mentioned when I defined Columbia for Christ uh, comes from the word of God. And so really when they see that this is God's mission, okay, this is a Paul's mission because, mm-hmm. you know, if they're going to commit to something that I came up with, that's not going to last very long. But due to the, the, the strong emphasis on the word of God here, uh, their commitment to that book, when they see this is, biblical this is god's mission they don't struggle with it they're all in as you mentioned so missionaries emphasize the word of god when you go to a country it's i mean i i know we shouldn't have to say it but when you look out in the world today and what's defined as missions all over the world we need to teach the word of god that's what we've been given that's what we've been told to go to the ends of the earth with um yeah no go ahead paul we can't we cannot emphasize it too much okay We cannot emphasize that too yeah. much. And, and in you know that vision that you had for Columbia to reach Columbia, but then take Colombians to the end of the world to reach the world with the gospel, I mean, just I guess one story I can think of, like you said, there's a lot of professional people in that mother church in Bogota and a, and a man that I met while I was down there who's a, uh, just an awesome man and Christian. Um, I, I won't say his name, but he's the, the general manager of Spirit Airlines in Colombia. Um and so, obviously, that's a, a position of prestige and would be a goal for anyone in America. I'm trying to think of it as, a, as an American. Like, that would be your goal, dream job. And every time I talk to him about ministry and the church and missions, he's ready to give it all up because he wants to be a missionary to Spain. I mean, I, my goodness. How convicting. Yeah. It's, uh, God, God is, uh, you know, he's uh, worked in a lot of hearts here and— uh, place the world in their hearts, uh, Kel, and and I continually uh, thank him for it because uh, they're they're committed to the cause. Uh, they, in fact, are examples for me. Mm-hmm. Their commitment makes my uh, my commitment grow as I observe their lives uh, and their desire to take the gospel to others. So, um, yeah, uh, I thank God. I, yeah. for, it's for his glory, totally. Well, Paul, thank you so much for uh, spending thank time you, with us, man. Uh, thank you for your willingness uh, to go, but also your willingness to be honest and open with us about uh, missions. I appreciate it. Love you, man. Uh, thanks so much for this opportunity. Thank you, man. Take care. Well, there you have it. From the mouth of a missionary who's been on the field for four decades now and has fruit that remains, 
that is what planting a model church is all about. It's about taking the Bible that God has given you and taking it to the ends of the earth. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope that was encouraging to you. Uh, I'm so thankful for uh, Paul and his ministry and uh, what he's meant um, in my life and uh, the things that he's taught me about missions. And I hope that it was uh, encouraging for you as well. Just think about it. If you're uh, a younger person or of any age and you're considering giving your life to international missions, to going and changing your address for the sake of the gospel. Could you imagine four decades from now, God willing, you know, if the Lord tarries and you go to the field in your 20s or 30s and in four decades you look back and we're able to see dozens and dozens of daughter and granddaughter and great-granddaughter churches that were started proclaiming the gospel to the nation simply because you surrendered your life to whatever God would have you to do. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? I pray that you would consider what your part is in the Great Commission as we all are asked to do by the Bible and that you would consider giving your life for the sake of the gospel. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you back next week. God bless. Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe and share us on social media. Also, please make sure to check out our other podcast, Theology Roundtable, at theologyroundtable.com.